Hi everyone and welcome to Homegrown the Live Show where we talk all about growing food at home to live a bit more of a sustainable lifestyle. And turn off your phone. (laughs) That would be a good start. So today we're talking all about winter gardens. So I'm going to go through a little bit of a winter gardening to to-do list I guess and also what you can grow in winter some plants that you can be planting and sowing throughout winter to get some delicious harvests and then I'm also going to share a few tips and tricks on harvesting and getting the most out of your winter gardens what can you really do to maximize the amount of food you can grow during winter when things are a little bit slower and colder. I don't know about you, but I have been really feeling the cold. The winter is here, definitely. So I've got my fluffy warm socks on. I've got a hot tea um, with some herbs from the garden. So I have lemon verbena, grapefruit mint, and some dehydrated limes in here, which are so, so good in tea. It's one of my favorite things to have in tea. So um, let's get started with what's happening in the garden. What's a bit of a garden update for me. And the main thing really is I wanted to share is I got some fish. So I got some fish for my pond. Uh, I think that was on the weekend. And I got five West Australian perch and I got three little minnows so uh, I haven't actually really been able to see them and I felt so bad for these fish because they went into the pond and then a few days later we have had hail so yesterday we had um, we had hail oh no on the hour every hour pretty much yesterday so that was um I don't know, kind of unusual. Normally when you get hail, it just comes in a um, a rush and then suddenly leaves. But this was just like every hour we were getting a hailstorm. So I thought that that was uh, a little bit too fresh for my liking and the poor garden and the poor little fishes. So they got a bit of a cold start to living in my pond, but hopefully they'll do all right. I have hardly seen them. They are dark colored and they have been hiding in the plants. So I've been out there a few times and I've tried to find them, but uh, I've only got a tiny little glimpse of them. So they're not going to be very friendly fish, I don't think, but they are going to eat the mosquito larvae and um, they don't eat frogs eggs, which is one of the main reasons I wanted to get them. Because goldfish, although they are bright and colourful, they can eat frogs, eggs, and I do want to make this more of a wildlife pond where everyone is welcome. Uh, And also it might stop them from getting eaten by birds and other things if they are dark and able to hide out in, in the pond. So the fish, the pond has fish. And it's nearly finished, so that's pretty exciting. Other than that, what else has been happening in the garden? 
Um, someone's been eating my guavas, my Hawaiian guavas, which we talked about on last week's episode, uh, the Hawaiian guava. And I did go out there and check and there's one that's been half eaten. So I don't know what that is. I don't know whether that's a rat or a parrot. I kind of have a feeling it could be a rat, but I'm, I'm also not too sure. So I haven't seen, um, any parrots and normally if parrots come, they just kind of take the whole lot they don't leave much behind and this is just a half eaten one so kind of thinking it is a rat which is not ideal but uh yeah so what else I've been harvesting heaps of my citrus so I've got my lemonades and my mandarins because we've had so much rain I wanted to get out there and harvest them before all of this rain made them split so I have a massive basket that I need to process and do something with so I'm not too sure, but we will see. I do need to get my stockpile up of dehydrated um, fruit, though, because I love that in winter tea, and I am starting to run a little bit low. Um, and yeah, what? I think that's pretty much it. Not a whole lot has been planted in the last week. I did a lot of planting in the previous weeks, so the gardens are pretty full at the moment. There's not too much room left in there, but it is a really good time for me to be dreaming up future garden beds and future plans. So I have been doing a bit of that as well. But uh, let's jump into plant for the week. Thank you guys so much for jumping in the live chat. I can see so many familiar faces here. We've got Steve and Joe and Ecocentric Homestead um, and... Lauren, a few newbies, so five acre homes, five acre farm. Uh, thank you guys all for joining in. If you do have any questions, pop them in the live chat with a queue in front and it's easier for me to see those and we'll go through a little bit of Q&A at the end. Um, but let's have a look at plant of the week. So the plant of the week is a winter veggie of course I had to keep this on theme so this is the Romanesco um, and it's a bit of an interesting one so it's an Ita Italian heirloom and it is beautiful these things are such a standout in the garden they're so um, beautiful and ornamental as well as edible so they have these tiny little florets they are kind of like I would describe them as a, I don't actually know if they are or not, um, let me know if you know, but they are like a cross between a broccoli and a cauliflower. So they are part of the broccoli family, but they definitely have that, you know, and the cauliflower, but they definitely have more of a cauliflower texture, I would say. Um, but they do have lots of individual little florets that look like art. They are super geometric and they have little spirals on them and I just I just think it's an interesting one to grow in the garden it also provides a whole lot of food because these are quite large and similar to a broccoli you can cut them off and you and harvest the main one and sometimes get some little side ones popping out as well uh, and these have a little bit of a nutty flavor so uh, they are a really interesting one to grow and cook in the garden and I have planted quite a quite a lot this year so last year I went kind of all in with the purple cauliflower so this year I wanted to do something different and so I have a lot more of the Romanesco in my garden this year so I'm super excited to get those and 
make some really interesting meals with them. Um, but yeah, plant of the week is the Romanesco. So I did just before we jump into what are some things we can do for our winter garden, I did just want to touch on uh, seasonal gardening and why I love seasonal gardening and learning about how to grow with the seasons. And we all kind of have our own different seasons, no matter where you live in the world, it's all going to be very different. So finding out what works for you in winter is going to be the best rather than, you know, going off documents or lists online although learning like the basics is going to definitely help it is good to do trial and error and see what works for you in your exact climate and um, how to do that in winter so what I like to do is work with nature and not against it so it makes it so much easier you get way better harvests and you're not trying to force things to grow in a season that they are not designed to grow in for example growing winter veggies in summer is not impossible it definitely can be done especially in some areas but sometimes it's they go to seed really quickly or they can be really bitter and not very nice if we are trying to get them to grow outside of their normal season so learning some cool season plants and some warm season plants is really going to help you to get more ease and flow with the garden and not try and force it and of course they taste so much better when you grow them in their desired season so some of our cool season crops have the best flavor after some really cold days and like i said if you are trying to grow these in warm sunny uh summer conditions they can go really bitter and not not as nice so working out what to grow in winter and what to grow in spring and summer can really make life so much easier in the garden but what should we what should we be doing in winter so this is a we're going to go through a little a little bit of i guess a to-do list uh these aren't for everyone but obviously you've got everyone's got their own things going on in the garden but this is sort of a little bit of a guide that I go through with what I'm doing in my garden and uh, make sure you stick around to the end because I do have a little bit of a freebie giveaway for you so if you aren't in winter right now then you'll be able to just save this for later and if you are it's going to be perfect timing so make sure you stick around and I'll share that with you but now that we're in the really in the start of winter the autumn cleanup can be done if you haven't done it already because sometimes we are a little running a little bit slow or behind on some of our jobs in the garden so some of the things i like to do at the end of autumn or the start of winter is to you know rake up any of those leaves or fallen um, branches and leaves from our deciduous trees or trees that have lost their leaves in autumn or, or fall. These are a really really good source of carbon for our compost and also for our gardens if we just want to use them as mulch. So cleaning up those leaves, uh, getting some mulch in. Mulching is really important and we will touch on this quite a few times uh, because you know it's going to cover and protect your soil during all seasons in summer it's really important to hold the moisture in in winter mulching is really important to stop all our nutrients getting washed away to stop our soil getting compact and hard um so many 
great reasons to be mulching. So it's a good time to replenish that after our summer and autumn time, if we haven't already. And another thing that we can be doing to protect the soil is if we don't want to be mulching or, or if we want to add another layer to that is to do cover crops. So that's where you plant a whole bunch of um, seeds or plants to just use as a cover crop throughout the cooler season and then you'll be able to chop them, drop them or pop them in the compost uh, come spring to then use that garden bed. That's going to be improving the soil, protecting the soil and potentially also giving you a crop if it is something that you are going to be harvesting and using or you could be using it for animal feed or something like that. So I've got one garden bed that I was going to do some cover cropping in but my New Zealand spinach has sort of gone wild, so I'm just letting it have the garden bed. It's going to provide food and then it's going to protect the soil and then I can use that as chop and drop or mulch when I want to use the garden bed come spring for my pumpkin patch. So that is another great way to be protecting that soil. It's always got to come back to be about the soil because the soil is key to a healthy, thriving garden. So whatever we can do to look after it, we should be doing. Um, the next thing is packing away any stakes and shade cloth and other random bits that get put around the garden that could get blown away or end up at the neighbors come some big storms. So I sometimes have stakes just taken out of the garden bed and laying down. So it's a good time to just go around and pack those all away so that when it does come springtime, it's all in its place and if you need those for your tomatoes they'll be in the right place and not overgrown with weeds and things that have happened over winter so popping all those things away and getting it nice and tidy so that we're not losing things to weather and wind and weeds and the same with clearing pathways it can be a really good time to just get on top of that you are more than likely going to get a lot of extra growth over the winter period with grasses and weeds and things like that so keeping on top of pathways and um, making sure that it's kept under control so it's not going to get too unmanageable and that is mainly what I'm doing in terms of a cleanup and I'm going to share lots more on watering and pruning and planting and all the things to come in this episode. So next up we have one that I am going to need your help on. So this is protecting your plants from frost and cold weather. Now I am a bit of a um I feel like I'm not like a, I'm not good in the cold and I'm not good in the heat. I like an even temperature, which is not really what we have here in Perth. We definitely have uh, kind of extremes, but we do have I would say mild winters. They get quite cold, but where I live, I don't get frosts and I don't get snow. So if you live in an area that gets frosts and snow, please jump in the live chat and let me know how you protect your you know, plants and um, trees and all of those things, because I'm going to go through some ideas here and some of the things that I do in my garden. But as I said, I don't have those really extreme cold, cold winters. So if you want to share those with other people, then definitely jump in the live chat and let me know. But some of the things that I do to protect 
my plants from the cold is mulching. So this is great, like I said, to keep moisture in in the summertime, but it also does help insulate our plants in the wintertime. So you can think of it as like a blanket on the roots. A lot of our plants, especially our fruit trees, have quite shallow root systems and they can get really cold and exposed to, you know, if you do get a few frosts here and there. So having something on top of that is really going to help protect those and make sure that we don't get frozen root systems. So a thick layer of mulch in winter goes for so many different things, but one of those things is to try and keep our plants warm. I have seen like some people in countries where it does get really cold often use like sheep wool, wool that has come from shearing the sheep and use that as a mulch in their garden because that is another great insulator to keep the plants warm. So that was quite an interesting one. Um, cold frames. So if you do want to try and grow food throughout a really cold period, you can sort of create some cold frames, which are sort of like mini greenhouses. Um, and that's going to maybe help extend your growing season as well. The same with having greenhouses, this, uh, or, you know, little, yeah, little greenhouses. This can sort of extend your season as well and just give you a little bit of an extra room to keep things that are a little bit more delicate. Another thing you can do is to bring those plants undercover. So you can, if you want to have things that are a little bit more vulnerable, to have them in pots and then you can move them about a lot more and even bring them inside if you want. So uh, if you do have a, a patio or a conservatory or just a very sunny room, you may be able to bring those inside and keep them warm, especially just if you are going to get some really, really cold temperatures and you have some precious plants that you don't want to lose. I try not, I don't really have anything that I bring inside too much other than um, maybe some seeds and stuff that I'll be growing inside but that's about it but I do have my pallet planters on wheels that I can move undercover if we're getting too much rain because they do have drainage but they don't have the best drainage so I don't want them just getting buckets and buckets of rain so if we are getting a few days of rain like we've been having I'll bring those in undercover the same with um some of my pots and stuff like that. So another one is that you can start mounding or creating some sort of drainage. So mounds are a great way to let water run off and not let your plants get too boggy. Um, and the same with just creating some drains. It's all about observing, especially if you are quite new to, to gardening, whether that's new in your property or you're just starting to dive more deeper into it and you want to really maximize your spaces then just keep observing and trialing things um i'm just gonna jump in and see who's got some tips for us on protecting plants for the cold weather so we've got some good ones in here so we've got five acre farm we use chicken wire and the netting from an old trampoline to cover plants when there is a frost around. Um, what else have we got here? And the same with Steve, mesh on a frame of your plants, like a greenhouse, but mesh catches the frost. 
And I know you can also build some little um, frames and have, I think, some sort of netting over those as well. So just like polypipe and things like that. Um, What else have we got? Oh, that's an interesting one. I put old sheets over my frangipani if a frost is coming. I mean, whatever works. That seems like a really, really good really good idea i know that frangipani would not be happy with frosts and things like that um all right so those are some really good tips thank you guys for joining those if you are watching this after the live make sure you leave yours in the comments um so lots of other people can get tips on how to keep their plants protected during frosts and cold weather uh, so another thing that we're going to run into is some watering so a lot of time there's excess rain during winter. So what can we do about that? Um, some of the things you can do is to obviously reduce your watering. And if you do have automated systems to make sure you're reducing those as well. Some of them even have rain sensors. So those can be really handy. Um, and like I said, make sure you're observing, especially if you're in a new property or you just haven't really paid too much attention to it. Look at where the water is pooling and collecting because those are going to be low areas in your garden and that can be something that you can work on maybe you can divide divert that water somewhere else um, maybe you can create some little drains and swales and things like that so having a, a good idea of where the water is pooling and where it is running off is going to make it easier for you to do something about so when you do get some heavy rain make sure you pop outside or at least try and look out the window or if you get a break in the rain and go out and see what's happening where's the rain going what can you do about it um, and then this can also come into play if you want to really capture and store that rain because rainwater is amazing for our gardens it's so much better than any you know town water or um city water that has chlorine and other chemicals in it those can inhibit the growth of our plants and really slow down the growth of our plants so where we can use rainwater the better so that's something that i'm going to be working on over the next few years is to really start maximizing my capturing and storing of water especially off you know roofs and garages and things like that because it is so such a valuable resource and it's something that's really going to help your garden thrive so that can be another good time in winter to start planning those start looking for ideas start looking what where you could put them uh, and how you can do them another thing to check is if you are growing a lot of things in pots and containers is to check the drip trays so I don't know if you have trays underneath your pots and containers I do have that on quite a few of mine um, which can be really great for the hot season to water from the bottom and the plants can absorb a lot of that water up and if I am watering from the top and it drains through to the bottom it stays there and it really allows those plants to get the most water that they when they really need it but in winter it can get a little bit excessive especially if your plants are just sitting around in water for weeks and weeks. One, we can get mosquitoes breeding in there, but also you can run the risk of your plants rotting and roots rotting if they're just sitting around in water for too long. So check those, especially during some really wet weather, and you may need to empty them out somewhere else in the garden or something like that. So those can be some 
some good ways to do. Um, just start thinking more about water and how you can really capture and store it. So the next one, which is one that I get asked all the time, is pruning. So let's jump into winter pruning. Prune in June is often something that gets thrown about. So that's a great way to remember it. But a lot of our plants are either dormant or finished fruiting. So for me, my Fijoa has finished fruiting. My guavas will be finished fruiting. Some of them are finished fruiting. Some of them are still going. So once they're finished fruiting, that's when I'm going to go in and prune them. And I'm only really pruning them if I need to prune them. So don't feel like you have to prune everything. If it doesn't need to be pruned in terms of size, you're happy with the size, it's not too big, it's not blocking anything, um, it's still quite small or young, then just don't prune it. You don't have to prune it. But for me, my feed are starting to get quite big now and I want to try and keep my plants all sort of within reach I'm I don't want to be having to get ladders up to harvest fruit and I just want to keep them really manageable and I know now that my growth on those sort of plants is going to be quite dramatic I guess in the spring I'm going to get at least you know a foot or two of growth so what I like to do is just keep them pruned and this is a good time to be doing that because they don't have any fruit on them. They, they aren't flowering yet. So they're going to flower. My feijoas are going to flower in spring. So if I can get the pruning done now, I then cut those prunes into small pieces and I'll chop and drop that around the bottom of the plant, which can break down and feed the plant. So that come spring, it's going to have more nutrition to really put out all of those flowers and fruits. So if I had a wood chip, a chipper, I mean, that would be amazing. It's goals. I want one of those. <laughs> now that I've got so many more fruit trees, I could turn into mulch. That would be ideal. But for now, I just chop and drop. So that is the Fijo and the guavas. The mulberry, again, is one that is going to be dormant. It's going to, in some places, lose all its leaves. In my garden, the mulberry doesn't really lose all its leaves. But it does grow so quickly and so tall. Like, this doesn't just grow a foot. My mulberry is growing like meters and meters. So I do need to cut that back because otherwise, come spring when it has all its new growth, it's just going to be ridiculously tall and unmanageable. And I'm not going to be harvesting the fruit that's way up the top. So I will be giving that a good prune. And you can start pruning any of your other deciduous fruit trees. So your, you know, your apples, your, your plums, your nectarines, all of those sort of things. Winter can be a really good time to prune those because they aren't in their growth phase. But also you can kind of see where the branches are because it's not covered in leaves. So if there are sort of some branches that you want to cut off, you have easier access. You can see them better when they don't have any leaves on them. But um, again, I sort of only prune my trees as needed rather than, you know, for anything else. And I do have some citrus that I'm going to prune because one of them is growing 
very one-sided. So it has a lot of growth on one side. So I'm just going to prune that back a bit just to sort of bring it back in balance so that if it does get a lot of fruit on it, it's not all on one side and it ends up snapping and breaking over. So pruning for shape as well as height. Um, and if you have roses, it can be a good time to prune your roses. Uh, overwintering your chili and your eggplant. So I'm probably a bit late for this, but I did want to mention it anyway. I know some people have already ripped out any chilies and eggplants that they were growing, but you can overwinter them. So what that means is to prune them back. I prune them back to, I remove about a third of, of the growth and then they sort of go a bit dormant over winter and come spring, they put on new growth and you've already got the plant established. So it means you can start getting chilies and eggplants a lot quicker and you don't have to plant a new plant from a seed. So I usually do that for a few years and then they sort of start producing less and less over time and then it's time for them to go. But that can be a really good one if you do want to keep a chili plant or you want to keep an eggplant giving it a prune back and um, making sure you've got heaps of mulch on it and hopefully it'll make it through the winter. Some people can dig them up and put them in a pot and put them somewhere warm like in an undercover area so it does keep them a little bit warmer. I don't tend to do that, I just leave them sort of where they are. I feel like it doesn't get too cold where I am and they've you know got themselves situated so I just sort of leave them. And another one is I'll start removing some of my large brassica leaves and rainbow chard. And I'm basically just eating those as I go. So as my brassicas get really big and produce these big leaves, I'll start to harvest some of the bottom ones off because that's going to free up some space around because I do have things planted quite close together. That stops them shading out other things and I get food out of it. So I sort of do that as I go throughout winter. And if there is as well something like a cauliflower that's got an actual cauliflower on it. So that means that I'm going to be harvesting that soon and that plant will probably come out soon. That's when I'll start planting other things sort of near nearby. So that once that plant comes out, I already have some things on the go. So if I do that, I'll often prune quite a few of the leaves around that just to give light in um, and then when I am harvesting things I'm cutting them off at the base and not removing I'm not like sort of you know pulling the whole cauliflower out I like to cut mine at the base and just leave the roots in the ground um, and that means I don't disturb the rest of the garden bed and I can plant things sort of nearby and I don't have to worry about ripping them out um, it's a good time to be checking for gall wasps on your citrus so gall wasps are sort of parasitic wasps or something they like lay little eggs into your citrus and then the branches will swell so you'll be able to see them on your citrus trees by having like little lumps on the stem and inside a little the little gall wasps and what they'll do is they'll eventually eat their way out of the stem Hi, Tama. My dog has uh, come to say hi. He's got off the couch for a tiny little part of the day. <laughs> He's like, it's dinner time, excuse me. 
Um, but you can tell if your gall wasps are still in there, if there's no little dots where they've exited. And it's really important to be cutting those off and making sure we're killing those off. So whether you are burning it, burning the branches, or if you are solarizing them by putting them in a bag and leaving it in the sun so those die, because that's not something that we want to spread around. We don't want to be putting those in the compost because they'll just hatch and then go on to other trees and our neighbors might have them and things like that. So we want to try and control those if we can. And June is a really good time to be starting to spot those in the garden. So um, I make sure you give this video a thumbs up. Thank you, Five Acre Farm. That is so kind. Now, um, mulching, chopping and dropping, all of those things, as I was talking about with um, pruning, if I've got any excess pruning, I'll usually just chop it into small pieces and lay it down in the garden or around the tree. Uh, you do just want to make sure that you aren't putting anything too close to your tree trunks, especially your mulch. Make sure you pull that back just from around the trunk so that it doesn't rot the trunk. Uh, this is another time that I'll be taking cuttings. So things like my mulberry, that's probably the main thing that I'm pruning and making cuttings from. Um, but if you were going to take any cuttings from other things in the garden, now could be a really good time to do that. So and what else can we be doing in winter? Uh, or what do we have to deal with? One of those things is a lot more weeds and pests. So the weeds are going to be thriving. Now, there's a very hot debate about weeds and, you know, that the weeds aren't, weeds are just pl plants in the wrong place. So um, that's up to you how you want to manage those in your garden. Most things to me, I don't really bother too much about. I've got ground covers, so I don't tend to get a whole lot of weeds in my garden, but grasses, grasses to me are the weeds of my garden grass the grass is drives me nuts it uh, I've got the creeper grass I've got kaikuya and it goes through all the garden beds and um, winter is when it is thriving so I'm trying to keep on top of all of that I'm pulling out any of it that's getting into my garden beds um, and using my new weed eater which People also call a whippersniffer here in Australia. I don't know if you've got any other names for it wherever you live. I'm sure you do. But to me, it's a weed eater or a whippersniffer. But that's a really good one to be going around doing all the edging and making sure that it's not creeping into my garden um, and taking over. And other things that we're dealing with is probably a lot more slugs and snails. Slugs and snails love moist conditions. So winter is perfect for them. They love the slippery surfaces. So we talked a lot more about how to manage pests in the garden or how to work with pests in the garden in one of our previous episodes. So make sure you check that out if you are wanting to learn more about how to manage pests naturally in the garden. But I've been using a lot of coffee grounds on my little seedlings lately for these tiny, tiny snails. They look like they should be in a fish tank and it's working so well. The only thing I will say that it is just not working on is the peas. They have demolished the second set of peas and uh, luckily I did 
put some in other garden beds and that's something that I do with all my plants. I like to spread them out into different garden beds and so they did not get the peas from my pallet planters. So I do have peas still, thankfully, from spreading the risk and not planting them all in one garden bed. They are um, still there. So that is one thing that I will always suggest is spread the risk throughout the garden. Um, all right, so now another one which we're going to be talking about is what to plant in the cool season. So this again is going to be different wherever you live, but these are some of the cool season plants that I like to be planting in the cool seasons. So um, I have got a copy of this. So if you think this is too small on the screen and you want your own copy, I'm going to give you a downloadable of not only this list of what to plant, but also um, a bit of a checklist on what to do during winter. So those two things are going to be available for you. And the link, um, don't fall off the chair. That would not be <laughs> that would not be good to do on live. But I will give you the link for that. So some other things that I'm growing in or planting in the cool season are asparagus, beetroot, um, broccoli, calendula, carrots. So a lot of root vegetables, a lot of brassicas. Um, what else have we got in here? Celery, chives, coriander. If you one of the strange people that like to eat coriander. I am not one of those. <laughs> um, garlic, kale, kohlrabi, which is a really interesting sort of spaceship cabbage -y thing. Uh, those are really strange to, to grow. Um, then we've got like our leeks. Lettuce is a great one. Um, nasturtium, onions, pansies so if you want some edible flowers to be growing in winter I did share this on this week's newsletter so if you did get that I shared five um pansy five pansies I shared five edible flowers and pansies were on there um what else have we got parsnip peas radish rainbow chard rocket spinach turnip so um plenty of things to be planting if you are already in winter and you're thinking it's too late to be planting, uh, just give it a go. What I will tend to do is if I'm already in that season, uh, I'll plant from seedlings. So I would go out and I would get some seedlings of, you know, broccoli or something like that rather than planting from seed because it is going to take such a long time to get those established seeds and seedlings. But all of my root vegetables uh, and onions, I'll be just planting anytime because they don't take that long to grow from seed and we just don't know what our spring is going to be our spring could be really cold as well or we could have um shade from other things that we're growing in the garden that haven't been removed yet so i'm still planting throughout the winter season i don't sort of just plant at the plant at the start or in autumn and then stop i just continuously sort of add things here and there and then you get things that get demolished like the peas and then I have space to grow more things so um, I'm always adding things in mixing it about um, and obviously this list there's so much more that you can grow as well but I thought I'd just put some things together for you uh, if you do get really stuck on what to be growing in the cool season um, 
And you can really maximize what you're harvesting and what you're growing by the way in which you harvest them. So those are things like a lot of your leafy greens and you can just pick as you go. So if you just pick one or two leaves off each plant, it, that would all add up. So if you had five plants and you picked one leaf of each, you've got five leaves. That's usually quite a significant amount if we're talking about rainbow chard or broccoli leaves. And then you can chuck those in soups and stir fries. So that's kind of what I do as well. I just kind of pick as I go. I also utilize cut and come again crops. So those are things that you can cut off, leave the roots in the ground and they'll regrow. So one of two of my favorites are bok choy. Um, you can just get a sharp knife, cut the bok choy at the base, use all of that, and then it will regrow again and you don't have to be planting more. So the um, that way you're just getting a whole lot more food and you're not having to take things out and replant them and have it, you know, I guess lull in the system where things are waiting to grow. Um, spring onions or green onions are another one that you can just get the snippers and cut those at the base, harvest them and eat them and then they'll regrow more green onions because you've left the roots in the ground. Um, we've got lots of team coriander, not team coriander. Oh, it is to me potpourri. It's not, I'm not a fan, but, um, keep sowing those quick growing crops. Like I was talking about. So your things like your root vegetables, those are pretty quick to grow. And then even if, you know, they do get too late in the season and they do go to seed go, things going to flower is not going to be bad for your garden things going to flower is going to attract more pollinators to your garden so even if you are pushing it and you're getting too close to spring and you're not going to get a harvest from that vegetable you're still going to be adding beneficial flowers into the garden so I always just like to give it a go because so many people just get really worried about missing the boat and it being too late and just, you know, putting it down to, I'll just try next season. But there's something you can do. There's something you can plant and you can always just um, give it a go. It's not going to really do any harm by planting stuff in there. If not, you're just going to get something for the, for the compost or for chicken food or something like that. Um, I mentioned this before, but harvesting the outer leaves to reduce shade. So if you have got some plants that are shading out other plants, harvesting off those leaves is going to let more light in. Um, and this is what kind of how I do succession planting as well. I just pop seeds in and if the plants are all shading out, then the seeds don't tend to pop up or they'll pop up and they'll be really slow growing. And then once I am harvesting or removing those leaves, they will get a little boost of light and then they'll pop up and off they go. So it does create this little bit of a succession by just being a bit of a random seed fairy in the garden. Um, I'm also, you know, cautious about harvesting fruit and making sure I'm harvesting fruit before big rains, because if you do get a really heavy rain system coming in and your fruit is, you know, nearly ready or kind of ready then it can split and that is not good it just means that um lots of bugs and stuff can get into it so if you have got lots of rain coming it can be a good idea to at least harvest some of them 
um, so that if they do split, you, you're not losing all of it. Uh, harvesting sweet potatoes. So sweet potatoes are something that I can grow all year round, but ideally what you're wanting to be doing is planting your sweet potatoes around springtime or, you know, late winter and harvesting them late autumn. When the plants sort of start looking a little bit sad is when you can go in and start harvesting your sweet potatoes. And if you do get a lot of rain or it does get really wet and boggy where you are, then it can be a good idea to get in and harvest those so that they don't rot because sweet potatoes are under the ground, they're in the soil. If your soil is going to be getting really wet and boggy all the time, they can end up rotting. So uh, it can be a really good idea to be getting in and harvesting your sweet potato if you want to do that. Uh, sometimes I just like let it go and it's just a ground cover for me and I'm not actually going in and harvesting them all, especially the ones that are around my fruit trees and things like that. Uh, winter can also be a really good time to be planning new spaces. So I've been doing a lot of that. I will do most of my work in autumn, uh, planning in winter. So autumn and winter tend to be when I'm doing most of the action. It's just way too hot in summer. And if I don't get it done in spring and I'm like, well, if I get it done in spring and then I've got new gardens ready in summer, it's so hard to be starting to plant for me in summer. So that's when I'm doing most of my new garden beds or new things is autumn and winter. And I love adding new things. So every year I'm sort of adding something little, something new. So we're going to be doing a few new projects. Like we have the pond project. I've got my great barber project and I've got another one that I would love to start, but I'm also like, I just don't think I'm going to get it done in time. And so I'm, I should really wait till next autumn, but I also don't want to wait. So we'll see. <laughs> but I, again, source some spring seeds. So if you are in winter and you don't get to grow a lot or you don't get to do much, uh, it's too wet, it's too cold outside, then start sourcing some of those spring seeds, getting those ordered and ready or research if you want to try new things. And so that way you can get them um, delivered in time to really get ahead of the next season. So I will start planting some spring seeds in the end of winter. And that way they are popping up, they're getting ready and I can start moving them outside straight away in spring. And that's mainly because I don't get frosts where I am. So I'm not having to hold them off too long. But even if you do get frosts in spring still, you can be growing them inside or in a mini greenhouse and getting those all prepared and ready to go. So that would also mean like cleaning up your seed trays and getting all of that ready again, which is crazy to think that we're going to be doing that all again soon comes spring. Um, but that is pretty much everything that I'm doing in autumn and winter and getting my gardens, you know, producing and getting the most out of them by harvesting and planting as I go. I love to just keep adding new things. So we just, I just, my gardens are never finished. I, it's not like I start at the start of the season and just be like, this is everything I'm planting, done, walk away. I just 
can't help myself. I have to keep getting in there and adding new things and moving things about and just seeing what works and observing the garden and, um, you know, this, this, it's an ever-evolving process. So I hope this episode has helped you and make sure you um, are subscribed if you aren't already so that you can get updates when we do go live over on YouTube. And also this is available as a podcast version wherever you listen to your podcasts. But before I end this off, I need to make sure I share this link with you for the free download. So that is uh, in the description of the YouTube or this episode, uh, make sure you click on that. I'll see if I can post it here in the, mm, no, um, that was not it. So I will post it in the comments as well. So that that is there ready to go. And you can get a little bit of a grow guide, a little bit of a checklist to use during winter and also the plant list so that you'll have easy access to just jump on and have a look whenever you want to be growing cool season crops. So let me know what you think about that and if you like it. And I will just answer a couple of questions if there are any in here. Um, oh, Kaikuya, five acre farm. Honestly, the, the Kaikuya, which... People always ask me, what is that? It's a creeping grass and it is so, so hard to manage. It just, it's, it thrives. It's why they, they grow it in a lot of harsh conditions like here in Perth, because it just thrives on neglect. But if you don't want it, it's really hard to do. Um, I don't know. Have we got any questions in here? It's always so hard to go through this as we're going, because there's just, like more and more comments popping up and I'm trying to see. Um, all right. So we have got a question. How do you store and keep cuttings? So I do my cuttings when I'm out in the garden. I just cut cut them all into pieces and then I'll just pop them in a bucket of water. I actually have a whole bucket of white mulberry cuttings uh, that I haven't got around to planting. So while I'm waiting for myself to get organized and have like pots and soil and stuff I just put them in water so they usually cuttings can last for a very long time in water uh, months in fact you can even wait until you get roots forming before you plant them out sometimes I like to do that just to make sure that I know before I'm putting them into the soil so I'll usually have things sitting in water for a long time um but yeah that's pretty much it all right, my, my dog is like whinging at me. He's like, it's time to go outside. So I better go, but thank you guys all for joining me. I will see you back next week for another episode. Have a most amazing week and get out into the garden if you can. See you guys.